you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. Uh, we're continuing. This is week 5 of Breakthrough. How many of you guys have been enjoying your Breakthrough groups? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm hearing really good things out of that, and the rest of you are like, ah, no. So you must not be in groups, that's what I'm going to assume. Uh, the Breakthrough groups, lots of great things have been happening inside of those, so happy to hear that, what Jesus is doing. And we've been taking a look at the different ways that we see breakthrough in our life. We can all recognize that in this life following after Jesus, uh, that there's a lot of obstacles that we come into. We know that God's called us to be more like his son Jesus. And so as we're walking down this road becoming more like Jesus, there will be these obstacles that come up in our way, and we need God to come and to bring breakthrough for us so we can keep moving and becoming more like Jesus. Some of the things we've been talking about is we have to identify the different strongholds that are existing in our mind, the different lies that we've been believing that the enemy has placed inside of us. Uh, we've been talking about how we have to have desire that we're not going to give up, we're just going to keep pressing on, wanting to see more and more of God's victory inside of our lives. We're talking about uh, humility and how pride is one of the great obstacles to breakthrough. We have to humble ourselves to come and follow after Jesus. Last week we were talking about the importance of prayer and being uh, people who are persistent in our prayer and seeking after Jesus and his breakthrough. And today what we're going to talk about is something that's called uh, the tipping point, uh, the tipping point moment in breakthrough for us. And the tipping point is defined as something that's the critical point in a situation beyond which a significant and often unstoppable eff effect or change takes place. It's that moment where everything changes for you and it never goes back to the way that it used to be before. Uh, for me, I remember one of the biggest tipping point changes in my life was when my wife was standing at the end of an aisle in her gown with her father, and she was coming down. This was more, maybe more a tipping point moment for her. This was like, okay, I can go through with this, and I'm going to be married to him, or like this is my last chance to get out of here, and I can go back to the good life. Thank God <laughs> she stayed with me, and she came down. And it was that tipping point moment where her entire life and my entire life changed at that one place, we've been building up to this for three years. We've been dating and courting and wooing each other and all of that stuff. But now there's this tipping point moment where life is never the same for us again because we said we do to each other and to Jesus. Uh, one of the other great tipping point moments I remember is, you remember when you have your first kid, for those of you that have kids, you thought, oh, you know, I'll have a kid. It won't be that different. Like, life's going to be pretty much the same. I'll just have a kid. Like, wow, I was dumb. But that kid comes. Even the, the birth process itself, there's a tipping point moment for every mother. For nine months, you're growing a child, and you have hope and expectation for the future of what that child's going to be. But then there's a tipping point moment where your body decides that it is now time for your child to come out. And something chemically happens, and it's the point of no return. And that child is going to come out whether you want them to or not. But for all of you mothers, you all know that you want that baby to come out, and you don't want them in there absolutely anymore. But that's a tipping point moment for you. There's one pregnant woman that's like, oh, yes. <laughs> but there's these tipping point moments where everything's building up to it. And, and the baby's a bad analogy because they're coming no matter what. But my wife, she could have decided, yes, I'm going to go forward. This is the tipping point moment of where my life is going to change. I'm going to be united with God and with Jeremy. We're going to be one forevermore. Or I can go back home. But once you make the decision either way, everything about your life is going to change. And it's the same for us spiritually. There are these spiritual tipping points. There are these moments where we're either going to press through to see God's breakthrough in our life, or we're going to give up, and we're going to go home. And one of my favorite examples of this is found in Luke chapter 5, and it's the story of Jesus healing a paralyzed man. I think I've taught on this verse probably four times in the five 
years of our church's existence, but it's just such an, a great story to me, and I take something different out of it every single time. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 5. It says, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought, a bed, brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them and took up what he'd been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. I love how the New King James says that. We have seen strange things today. That pretty much sums up life following after Jesus. Would you agree with me? Like, this is strange. And really, if we're talking about breakthrough, breakthrough is strange. By definition, because it's a suspension of the natural. It's a suspension of normal. It's something that you wouldn't expect. Everything about life with Jesus, following after Jesus, everything about the way that God moves in our lives and in our hearts to bring breakthrough is always strange. Uh, when you think about, my, I'll use myself as an example. I'm fairly familiar with myself. When I was born, I was born in a normal way. My parents had a date night. Nine months later, I was born via cesarean at, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. There was an announcement in the Kalamazoo Gazette that said that I had been born Jeremy Dale Brown, eight pounds, eight ounces, I don't know how long, blue eyes, healthy, whatever. And you know who came to visit me? My grandparents and my four-year-old sister. When Jesus was born, it was a little different. An angel appears to a virgin and says, good news, you're going to have a baby. Not the typical way that babies are born. And then there's dreams that Joseph has. When Jesus is born, he's born in a manger in a stable. When he's born, there are angels. He doesn't get the announcement in the Kalamazoo Gazette. There's an angel of choirs that come and sing about the birth of Jesus to shepherds. The three wise men or magi come from the east a couple years later, and they bring him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's a strange way to be born. That's not the normal way that we do that. Uh, when I was baptized... I was just a little baby, I don't know how old, but I grew up Methodist, so they, what they do is they take you when you're a baby, and you're screaming and crying, and they sprinkle water on your head. When Jesus was baptized, he's 30 years old, and he goes down, he's submersed by John the Baptist, probably a little better than who baptized me, but that's okay. Yeah, baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, comes back out, and the Father, the voice of the Heavenly Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. That's not the normal way that you get baptized. Jesus is strange. Uh, think about weddings. When I go to a wedding, what I do is you sit there and you smile and you go through the reception line, you shake hands, you, you go to the place for the reception. And what do you do? You say, like, gosh, are there any more butter mints? I ate the whole thing already. Like, why do they take so long to take photos? Like, what is going on? Bring me a salad. I'm dying here. 
When Jesus goes to a wedding, they run out of wine, and he's like, bring me some pitchers of water, and I'll turn them into wine for you. It'll be the best wine that you've ever had, by the way. Everything about Jesus is different. He does miracles. People come to me all the time because they want a miracle, and I, I always try to explain, hey, you know what? I can't do miracles, but Jesus can. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Jesus to do a miracle on your behalf. Jesus doesn't have to ask people for help for miracles. Jesus just does them, and every one of his miracles is insane. He feeds 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of little fish. That's not a normal miracle. He goes and when he's healing people, I love it. just the fact that he's healing people. This is a strange thing, but he doesn't even heal people in a normal way or even in a sanitary, hygienic way. I love the, the blind guy. He doesn't just take mud and smear it on his eyes. He makes mud by spitting in dirt. Like, Phew. I bet the healing line was like, whoa, like, I can live blind. But the way that he does his miracles, even that itself is strange. He walks on water. He tells the guy with a withered hand, stretch out your hand. Like, Jesus, if I could stretch out my hand, I'm like, why are you, at, like, that's cruel. Jesus tells the guy with a withered hand to stretch out his hand. doesn't say, by the way, I just healed you. He says, I want you to stretch out your hand. Jesus is always having people do things, and as they move in response to doing something impossible, the healing comes to them. They're trying to pay their tithe to go to the temple, their little temple tax. doesn't have any money. So they say, hey, go catch a fish, and there's going to be a coin in the fish's mouth, and you'll be able to use that to give to the church. We all go and fishing at your church, people. <laughs> But everything about the way that Jesus does stuff is strange. He's God who gives up the glory of heaven. He comes down, humbles himself, serves other people, serves those who reject him and despise him. He loves those who are his enemies. He dies on a cross, and he's raised from the dead. Everything about Jesus is strange. Everything about the way that he moves in our life is strange. See, what's normal in the kingdom of God is not normal in this world. But it's the way things ought to be. So don't come to Jesus expecting normal. The breakthrough that God's going to bring into your life isn't going to be a normal breakthrough. It's not going to be done in the way that you would expect it to be done. It's not going to be done in the way that you would orchestrate it or that you would plan it. It's going to cause you to have to do some things that might be uncomfortable some things that might be strange. But do you know why we're willing to embrace strange? It's because normal isn't working. For us, normal is living with sickness. For us, normal is half of our marriages ending in divorce. For us, normal is living with barriers and obstacles that keep us from following after Jesus. For us, normal is living with issues of pride and greed and hatred and lust inside of our hearts. That's the normal way of life. And if we're going to see breakthrough inside of us, it's going to mean that the kingdom of God is have to, going to have to come in some very strange ways to move on our hearts and to move on our situations and in our circumstances so that we can see the advancing of the kingdom of God. You know, a lot of people don't ever see breakthrough in their life because they want normal and ordinary. Why do we want normal? Because normal is safe, it's comfortable, it's controllable, it's predictable. And Jesus is absolutely none of those things. But he's so good. And we can trust him. We can trust the process that he's going to use inside of our lives to lead us into being everything that he's called us to be 
into doing everything that he's called us to do. So why do we read the story about the man in Luke and all of the strange things that happened to him and want some more of that in our lives? Because we need some strange. We need different than what we've been experiencing in our life. And when we look at the story, what we see is that tipping point faith starts with the power of God being present. It's one of my favorite ways that every story in the Bible starts. It starts out as laying the setting. You have Pharisees here. You have scribes here. You have teachers of the law. There's some Sadducees there. It's people from all over the city. It's all over the region, all over the entire country. It goes through. This keeps expanding and talking about how many people from such a wide uh, geographic area have all come here to this place where Jesus is to hear him teach and to see him do miracles. And the thing that it says that really sets up the story is that it says that the power of God was present to heal them. You have a whole bunch of people who are broken, a whole bunch of people who are sick and who are hurting, and there in the midst of it is the power of God present to heal them. Who's them? It's easy for us to look at the them and say, well, that was the people that were sick. It was the people that were blind. It's the people that were paralyzed. But it doesn't say that. What it does is it goes through and it talks about all of the people that are there. There are sick people there, yes, but there's also Pharisees. There's also scribes the Sadducees, the people from all over. And it says that the power of God was present to heal them. So who's them? All of them. Every single person who was there, with every issue that they had going on in their life, right in the midst of it, the power of God was present to heal them. And that's the starting point for us of tipping point faith is when we recognize that we have some stuff going on in our life. Maybe we're, we can relate to the Pharisees. And we have some hardness of our hearts. We're dealing with being judgmental. We're separated from the power of God. The power of God is here this morning to heal even our hearts. For those of us who are walking, and maybe it's an emotional or relational thing that's going on inside of your heart, the power of God is present, and it's present to heal you in the place where you're at. Maybe it's something that's going on in your body, a sickness. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus heals, and I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced this healing time and time again in my life, in my own body and also in other people as we pray for them. We see that the power and the presence of God is here to heal. Maybe it's that you're far from God. Your heart's been broken. It's hard for you to even believe that there is a God who might love you or a God who is good, a God who really is in control of the world and that cares about you. The power of God is present to heal even that issue inside of your heart. And it's when we come to this recognition of God is powerful and that God is present to do these things that faith begins to well up inside of us. It's not a question for us of can God do this. A lot of times when we're looking for breakthrough, we say, I hope God can do this. I really, really hope that Jesus is able to do this thing. That's not tipping point faith. Tipping point faith is I believe with everything inside of me that God is able. I believe with everything inside of me that God is good. I believe with everything inside of me that everything that's happening to me, the things that I think are good and the things that I think are bad, the things that I love and the things that I hate, these are all things that God is going to use for my good. 
It doesn't matter what the motivation might have been behind it in my life, but God is able to turn even the darkest and most tragic events of my life and able to bring healing to me and be able to use those things for my good. God's able to bring breakthrough to me in every single area of my life. So people are gathered from all over the place. They're coming to Jesus with their various issues, and he starts healing people. The healing that's happening inside of people's hearts, that's not as obvious. When blind people start seeing, everybody knows. When lame people get up and they start walking around, everybody takes notice of that. And what happens when you start hearing about what God is doing in the life of other people? It starts stirring up faith inside of you that God can do it in you too. That's why the crowds are coming. Because they hear Jesus did this. Like, Peter, Jesus did what for Simon? Oh, man. He was blind and now he can see? Well, maybe Jesus can do something in me too. I'm going to go see Jesus because if Jesus could do that in them, then he can do it in me. This is why it's so important for us to share what it is that God's doing in our life. Whether it's an emotional thing, a mental thing, a relational thing, a physical thing, whatever it is that Jesus is doing in your life, when Jesus brings healing to you, tell everybody you know. Because first of all, it's thanking Jesus for what he's done and it's giving him glory for the act and what he's done inside of your heart. But it's also something that the rest of us need to hear because when we hear about what Jesus has done in someone else, it stirs up tipping point faith inside of us that Jesus can do that in us too. Uh, Just this last Thursday night, we're at our prayer meeting. Someone came up to me afterwards and they said, you know, for two years, I've been having this incredible pain in my leg. This person, you know, like you can break your leg and then you can like, wow, you really broke your leg kind of a break. They really broke their leg a couple of years ago. And they've been dealing with pain in that for two years And they told me, you know, I've been praying for God to bring healing to my leg for two years on my own. And then last week, I thought at the prayer meeting, I'm going to have the group of people pray for me. And then this last week, I haven't had any pain in my leg. After two years. It wasn't the first time they prayed that God would heal their leg. It wasn't the second. It probably wasn't even the hundredth time that they prayed that God would heal their leg. But one of those times, God moved. One of those times, the power of God was present to bring healing to them. The same is true for us. And when we hear about what God's done in other people, it stirs up something inside of us. Our own faith is stirred up. If God, you can do that in me too. So what happens is the word's going out, and everybody's hearing about the fact that Jesus is healing others. He's receiving glory because of what's happening, but also faith is being stirred up inside of others. This paralyzed man hears about it. And as he's laying there on his mat, paralyzed, and he hears the story and the testimony of Jesus bringing healing to other people, Faith is stirred up inside of him. If Jesus is doing that for them, then that means that he can do it for me. But you know what the problem is? When you're paralyzed, it's pretty hard to travel. How am I going to get to Jesus? If only I could get to Jesus, if only Jesus would come to me, then everything would be okay, but... You know, the first temptation for him when that that faith was stirred up inside of him to believe that God could work healing inside of him, the enemy came alongside and said, but you're paralyzed, you can't get to Jesus. Maybe Jesus can do that for someone else, but it's not going to happen in your life because you can't get to him. But when tipping point faith is stirred up inside of you, you start saying it doesn't matter what the problem is because tipping point faith pushes past every single obstacle. 
When you get to that point where faith is stirred up inside of you so much, you say, it doesn't matter what it's going to cost me. It doesn't matter what it's going to take. It doesn't matter how long it's going to take. But I believe that Jesus is able to bring breakthrough in my life. And however long it takes me, whatever the cost might be to me, I'm going to see God's breakthrough in my life because I believe that he's the God who's able and I believe that he's the God who's good. And so what does he do? Instead of saying, I'm going to give up because I'm paralyzed, he says, I'm going to get my friends and my friends are going to carry me on a mat to go see Jesus. Have you ever asked someone for something really important where you feel bad, like, hey, you needed something. Ever been in the place of need, but you refused to ask someone else because your own pride made you feel like, oh, I don't want to burden them. I don't want to seem needy. I don't want to have to put them out in any sort of way. I want, to, I want everybody to think of me as being strong. I want people to think of me as being able. I'm the one that blesses everybody else. I don't want to have to have other people bless me. He has to overcome pride inside of his life. How humiliating is that? Already he's paralyzed. He's an outcast in his own society, and now he has to ask people, not push me in a wheelchair, but I need you guys to grab the corners of my mat and to carry me all the way to the place where Jesus is. But tipping point faith says, I don't care what I have to ask other people to do for me. Whatever the cost might be, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to petition God. I'm going to petition other people. But I'm going to do whatever it takes to get into the presence of Jesus so that healing can come in my life. So he gets to the place where Jesus is. But what happens? There's another obstacle. He gets there, and the place is packed. It says that he can't even get into the house. How many times, uh, this is what I do, like I'll go shopping. And it's not like I'm looking for healing in my life, something important, but I'm like looking to buy some bacon. But like you get to Kroger and all the spots are full. I'm like, I'm out, like I'm going home. I'm not going to wait. The place is full. I'm going to give up. But how many times is it that we come and we need something from Jesus, but the line looks too long? Oh, it's full. Jesus has already done all of these other things. The service is over. I should have prayed. I had missed my opportunity to pray or to have other people pray for me, whatever it might be. But we get to the place where it looks like it's too full. There's no way to get in. We can't get to the place of where God can bring breakthrough into my life. It was really easy. Guys, thanks so much for bringing me out here. I'm sorry, and I, I wish I had known, but thanks for trying. I appreciate it. But what does he do? Nope. Tipping point face says that I'm going to find a way in no matter what. So he has his friends take him up to the rooftop. I have no idea how hard it must be to lift a paralyzed person up onto a rooftop. I don't know if they put him over their shoulders and they're climbing a ladder, which seems really unsafe, or if they're trying to hoist him up with pulleys. I have no idea. But it was no easy thing to get someone who's paralyzed onto a rooftop. And not only did they go through the, the sweat and the labor of getting onto the roof, but now they start tearing a hole in this person's roof. I'm imagining the homeowner is, you know, like, hey, this is my house. I get to be in here with Jesus. I'm going to host him. Do you hear something? What's this stupid kids? Get off the roof. Stuff starts falling down. Now, it says that there's tiles on the roof, which means that he's upgraded his home. He's put money into having tiles on his roof, which is an awesome thing back then. And they're just, like, taking the tiles, and they're digging them up. They're cutting a hole in someone else's roof. They're breaking into another man's house. They don't have his permission. I'm sure the guy's flipping out, like, what are you, stop. Like, what, why are you doing this? You are breaking into my home. Just stop. Stuff's falling onto people all over the place. But his tipping point faith says, I don't care what the obstacle is. 
I'm going to put myself in the place where I am going to see God's breakthrough in my life. And sometimes we have to get a little bit crazy. Sometimes we need that breaking and entering style faith. Not that, like, don't go home and do B&Es and say, my pastor told me to. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I am saying is that when it looks like the door shut to you, when it looks like the obstacle is too great and there's no way in, sometimes you have to get creative. Sometimes you have to have the faith that says, I don't care if I have to get up on a roof and I have to start breaking into someone's house spiritually. <laughs> it's an analogy. I'm going to do whatever it takes to see breakthrough inside of my life because tipping point faith stirred up inside of them that said it doesn't matter what the cost is going to be. Seeing the breakthrough is going to be worth it. I'll, hey, I'll have an able body. I will fix the guy's roof after I'm healed by Jesus. I can take care of that but I'm not going to live the rest of my life paralyzed and not seeing God's miraculous breakthrough in my life because I was scared of messing up someone's roof. If you didn't have full faith in Jesus, you would not do that. You're not 99.9% .9 sure that Jesus is going to break through in your life when you start tearing holes in people's roofs. You are 100% sure. That tipping point faith will drive you to never relent, to never give up, to keep pushing through every obstacle, through every barrier, to get into the place where Jesus will see breakthrough in your life. But the second type of obstacle we have to come, those are physical things, circumstantial things, but there's another type of obstacle we have to come, and this one can actually be a lot harder for us, is we have to overcome the thoughts. We have to overcome the systems of belief that we've created. You see, what happens as soon as he's lowered down there in front of other people, and Jesus says, seeing his faith, it says, seeing his faith, he said to him, your, sons, your sins are forgiven. Not your sons are forgiven, but that too, that's great. Forgive my sons, Lord. What do other people start doing? Who are, what? Who are you to forgive him? You see, there's a, there's a collection of the theological spectrum that are gathered in this place. There's the conservatives who would be the Pharisees. And they would look at the paralyzed man. They, they wouldn't have wanted him in that house. You are suffering because there's sin in your life or your parents sinned. But either way, your paralysis is God's justice in your life. You don't deserve for someone to heal you. You don't deserve to be in the presence of God. You get yourself right. You get yourself cleaned up. You earn this. And then you can come in. And then you can receive something from God. A lot of people didn't receive anything from Jesus, even though he was present to heal them, because they had a thought pattern that told them that they, weren't, they didn't deserve what God was going to do. And that's true, you don't deserve it, but that's why it's so good that God is so good, that his heart is so full of mercy and grace for us. But one system of thinking will make you think that you have to earn it. You can never earn that. You can never earn God's forgiveness. You can never earn God's healing or any of the breakthrough that you need to see in your life. And if you're living your life thinking, I have to get myself right, I have to make myself to deserve what it is that Jesus is going to do, I have to deserve breakthrough, you're never going to see it. There's the progressives theologically, they're the Sadducees, and they're there, and they don't believe in any of the supernatural, they don't believe in Scripture being literal, it's, you know, it's all analogies, it's, kind of ethereal thing. And they'd say, well, we don't believe that 
you know, God would ever come in human flesh. We don't believe in all the supernatural things. We read about, you know, the law and all the things that God did in Moses. That's, you know, it's, it's hyping it up a little bit. We're trying to teach biblical or, you know, godly principles to other people. So you wouldn't come to seek after God for breakthrough because God doesn't actually do that. Just accept reality. But it didn't matter which end of the spectrum you were on theologically. None of them believed that Jesus was able to do it. None of them believed that Jesus was able to forgive this man. None of them believed that Jesus was able to bring healing into his life. They didn't believe that Jesus was able to bring the breakthrough into his life. You have people in your life that are like that. There are really well-meaning, well-intentioned people in your life who will come and who will feed thought patterns that are wrong. There are people who will tell you that you're not good enough for the breakthrough that God wants to bring in your life. There will be people who will tell you that you have to earn what it is that Jesus wants to do in your life. There are people who will come and they will tell you that you, have to, that you don't even hope for that. Because God doesn't move in that way. Maybe God used to do things like that. Maybe God never did things like this. But just accept reality. Make the most of it. Do the best that you can. But they're all wrong. People we love, people who love us with everything inside of them. But they'll feed us thoughts that are contrary to the revelation of who God is. And unknowingly, they will keep you living in a place where you aren't going to be able to walk into the breakthrough that God has for you. Tipping point faith will propel you past every wrong thought. When someone says, God can't do that, he doesn't do that anymore, it doesn't matter. I believe that Jesus can do this. I believe that the power of God is present to heal. You know what, don't hope for God to do that thing in this relationship. I don't care what you might say. I don't care what the statistics or the odds are. I'm going to believe and I'm going to press in and press on for Jesus to bring breakthrough into this relationship. Uh, whether it's a wisdom thing, maybe it's something that God's called you to, an idea that he's put inside of your heart, something to do for him and for his glory, for his kingdom. But people tell you that you're not good enough to do that, that God won't bless you in doing that. Now make sure it lines up with scripture. We don't just get to pick and choose whatever it is that we want to do. But when God speaks something to you that lines up with his revealed will through scripture, then put your hope and put your faith inside of that and allow God to stir up a tipping point faith inside of you that's going to make it so that you will press through every obstacle. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't matter how hopeless it might look. It doesn't matter how many times the door has been slammed in your face again and again and again. You keep pressing in. You keep pressing on. You have friends carry you on a mat if that's what it takes. You lower your pride. You humble yourself to press after Jesus. It might be that you come to the place where it looks like there's no way to get in, but you say, it doesn't matter. I'll scale the walls. I'll have people drag me onto rooftops and we'll tear holes in people's roofs if that's what it's going to take to see God's breakthrough in my life because it's worth it. I'm willing to tell people who are speaking to me, who love me, that are discouraging me and following after Jesus, I need you to stop talking to me about that. There might even be some relationships that you have to end if they're influencing you and keeping you from pursuing Jesus and believing him for the breakthrough that he has in your life. If you're married to this person, you don't end that relationship. That's the caveat there. 
we need tipping point faith inside of our hearts. You stand with me this morning. Every single one of us, we're up against an obstacle right now. Every single one of us has come into a barrier of following after Jesus, being everything he's called us to be, doing everything that he's called us to do. If we're not careful, careful, what happens is hope begins to die inside of our hearts. If you're not 100% committed to this thing, 99.9% faith won't produce breakthrough in your life. It's 100% faith. Believing that the power of God is present to heal us. Every one of us. Whatever it is that we have need of in our life, what we need is tipping point faith that moves us to the place where we're going all in. Maybe it's in a relationship. I tried to reconcile. You don't understand. I went and I apologized, and they said, You're right, you were wrong, and they slammed the door on my face. It looks hopeless tipping point faith will keep you pressing in tipping point faith will keep you believing maybe it's for a loved one who's far from Jesus and you've been praying for them to God that they would come to that revelation of your love they would come to that place of where they bend their knee to follow after you because they see how good you are how great your love and your affection is how great the life that you've called us to is how worthy you are Jesus but for years I've been praying and I'm not seeing it. You need 100% faith. You need tipping point faith to believe that God is going to bring breakthrough into that person's heart. Maybe you've been praying for a year. Maybe you've been praying for a decade. Maybe you've been praying for 50 years. You don't give up. You keep pressing on. You keep pulling tiles off of the roof. You're going to do whatever it takes because your faith is in the God who is present to heal that person's heart. Maybe it's even for something that's going on in your body and it's been going on for a long time. I get that. You've been praying for years. You don't need 99.9% faith. You need the 100%. Jesus, you're going to heal me today. And if you don't, you're going to heal me tomorrow. And if you don't do that, then you're going to heal me the day after that. But I'm going to go to my deathbed believing that you're the God who heals me. Maybe the obstacle for you is disappointment that comes from you haven't seen what it was that you hoped for in the past. It hasn't been happening in the timeline that you wanted it to happen in. I don't know how many years that man was laying paralyzed on a mat. It's probably a long time. It wasn't the first time that he'd hoped that God would heal him. Something was stirred up inside of his heart that day. The tipping point faith. And what you need is for that to be stirred up inside of your heart. It's the only way that we're going to see breakthrough. Some of you, you're going to see breakthrough today. Some of you, you're going to see breakthrough by the end of our series. Some of you, it might be years, it might be decades 
before you see the breakthrough that you're seeking after God for, but it's worth it. Stir it up inside of us, God. You pray with me. God, thank you for being so good. Thank you that we don't have to earn this. God, would you remove that lie from every one of our hearts and from every one of our minds that we feel like we have to earn it? And Jesus, will we be overwhelmed once again by your grace and your mercy for us? By your goodness that you would come to serve and to wash the feet of those who rejected you and despised you because you're that good. And God, would that revelation of your goodness lead us to repentance this morning? So if you're here, maybe the point of the tipping point of faith for you is that you haven't put your full faith in Jesus. You haven't been able to follow after him. Maybe you haven't been able to believe that he's truly God. Maybe you haven't been able to believe that he fully forgives your sins, that he loves you, that he desires you, that he's pursuing after you, that you can know him deeply and intimately, that his kingdom can come right here and right now in your heart. And that's the barrier, that's the obstacle that you need breakthrough in this morning. That's the first step that you have to take. God this morning is stirring up faith inside of your heart. Maybe for something that's happening, God's warming your heart. He's causing you to believe that he is good. He's stirring up a desire inside of you to know him. Stirring up a desire inside of you to have him be your God and for you to be his son or to be his daughter. He's speaking to you this morning. He's calling to you and asking you to have tipping point faith in him as God. Tipping point faith in him as the one who saves you from your sin tipping point faith to believe him as the one who can be the Lord of your life, that you can trust him to follow after him and allow him to direct your footsteps every day of your life, and that he's going to lead you into the life that you were always created to live, that's going to be filled with peace, and it's going to be filled with joy, it's going to be filled with purpose and contentment that comes only from Jesus. This morning, if that's you, then all you have to do is to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I don't have to earn your love. I don't have to earn my forgiveness. But it's the gift that you give me. And Jesus, I want the gift of knowing you. I don't want to stand on the outside looking in at other people who know you anymore. I want to know you like that. I want to know you like a, like a child knows their parents. I want to hear you speak to me. I want to have an encounter with you that I can't deny. Jesus, for every person that's asking that this morning, would you do that in their life? And Jesus, for all the rest of us, whatever that obstacle is, whatever that barrier is that God's bringing into your mind right now that you need breakthrough in, God, would you stir up tipping point faith, full faith in who you are, full faith in your ability to heal every single one of us of every single thing that we're going through. Jesus, we believe that you're the Lord of the breakthrough. Would you put tenacity in our hearts? Would you put courage in our hearts, God? Would you put hope in our hearts that's never disappointed 
because our hope is in you. Stir it up in us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to have my prayer partners. They're going to be in the front and the outside here. If there's anything that we can pray with you about this morning, we would love to pray with you because we see Jesus move miraculously every single week because he's a good father who delights in going beyond what we can even think or imagine to ask for. If you need more faith stirred up in your heart, let us pray for you. If you decided you want to follow after Jesus, come, let us encourage you. Let us pray for you. If not, and be here 630 tonight. We are going to worship Jesus. We are going to enjoy the Lord of the breakthrough. I encourage you to come out. Let's just spend some time seeking after him and enjoying him tonight. Go drink some coffee, make some friends, go to your breakthrough groups, and we'll see you soon. God bless.